Hello. Hello. That was like the Mark Strong opening, you know, um, when you're at the, <laughs> is it the view where they do the hello? Oh, I'm Mark it's Strong. dark in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they do the surround. Have you thought about turning your phones and devices off? We come to this place to cry. <laughs> <laughs> no, we come to this place to comment. We come to this place to comment. We come to this place for October. It's another month. It's another month. <laughs> this Hel- is the Watershed Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Watershed Cinema mm. Podcast. Yet again, got the two Stephs. Hello, my I'm I'm Steph from Coms. Steph two. And you are Steph one. Steph Cinema. Cinema Steph. And can I can I tell you about <laughs> Smooth, isn't it? <laughs> can um, I tell you about rotting in the sun? Or let's just mention that in the second half of this podcast, we will be joined by Andrew Kelly from Bristol Ideas yep. to go through their program for this year and the screenings that they'll be holding here throughout October, both as the Sunday brunches and a few one-offs, including short screenings. But yeah, first is us on the rest of our October program. And go on, as a recap, what did you think of Rotting in the Sun last month? Um, I loved it. I um, At time of recording, I watched it yesterday. And on Mubi, let's on, just be clear. Yeah, Steph on, didn't manage to make it to our actual one-off special pre-recorded Q&A cinema screening. I don't, I don't love <sighs> film as much as I do I'm not as passionate I'm not passionate enough to go see it on when it was but um it's the communal watching experience I loved it because um on the BBC BBFC rating card it said strong sex references and there were strong sex references it's more than references yes there was graphic depictions of sexual content because recently the BBFC has been disappointing me yeah like like that passage is 18 like I I that should have been a 15 yeah I'm like Come on, BBFC. And then the it's one barely a butthole. Mia Hansen Love, which was a fifteen. One fine morning. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, twelve A. Yeah. Come on. I also watched Jurassic Park. Yeah. It was really boring. Yeah, you were disappointed, right? Yeah, I didn't. Really... You even watched it in three D. Yeah. We. I mean, we've had a discussion on this since, but we're not. We've decided we're not big Spielberg fans. Spielberg's not for Doesn't me. Doesn't do it for us. But I think I've watched enough Spielberg now to understand how he's impacted what we think of what the family should be. Mm. Um, it's very like, love, love. We love the family. Family's the best. Well, which is where I kind of had more hopes for the Fablemans, because I'd heard that he was kind of more like interrogating well, his own upbringing family dynamics, yeah. because it's quite messy. Did you see the Fablemans in the end? Yeah, but I, but, but I think I still found that lacking. Schmaltzy. Yeah, it, it was, was too much for me. Yeah, um, it it's. I was disappointed. Yeah. Uh, uh, in conclusion, you know, Spielberg not is not for, for me. Have you seen my ET T-shirt? I can't <laughs> say the quote on this podcast because, um, well, we try and avoid swearing, I guess. But there's a lovely quote from Elaine May, the comedian and writer of Mikey and Nichol. Oh, about the ugly Mikey. alien. Yeah, I'll, I'll let people Google that, but you can, you can buy it on a t-shirt. It's great. That alien is a highlight ugly. Highlight of my wardrobe. Like, I didn't I, grow I, up... Unsettling. Well, I mean, I, didn't, I just didn't grow up with E.T. It's an, uh, or Spielberg. Spielberg's not a childhood memory for me, and so I never feel 
I've did you not like Indiana Jones? And, no. Oh, see, and I did. I, I did. I actually watched the new Indiana Jones on um, Home Entertainment. <laughs> what did you think? <laughs> over the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it needed to be made. I mean, good for him for carving out a very yeah. mainstream part of. I cinema. and I really appreciate him as a as a filmmaker and what he's done. Mm. And, his impact on the industry and the way he stands up for... I don't know if I do. <laughs> yeah, as I said it, I ran out of steam. <laughs> I was like... I don't know if I do. It's not like he's Lynch. It's not like he's Scorsese. No. Oh, we're just turning into Spielberg bashing. I'm, I feel I'm, we need to move on. I'm not bashing Spielberg. I just realise that as a director, his work is not for me. And yeah. that's okay. And it might be for you who is listening. What's on in October? <laughs> well, what, you, what did you actually think of Rotting in the Sun? You oh, oh no, I didn't even say anything yeah. about Rotting in the Sun. Loved it. Be- nice. And I was like, this is bold and daring and this will ruffle people's feathers. Mm. And I really liked that. And just the, the, the strength of the plot twist. Yeah. Which we won't obviously go into, but it's about a third of the way in and you're like, whoa. But also I, I was wondering, because I was watching it on a small screen and there's a lot of like jerky close-ups yeah and i was thinking if i was watching it in the cinema would i kind of get might be a bit overwhelming Mm -hmm. it's a lot of that shaky handheld cam isn't it yeah whereas i feel like actually on a smaller screen manageable yeah but i don't know Uh, sound off wherever you want to sound off tell us if you saw it on the big screen and whether you felt seasick or not yeah, there's but, a good interview with um, the director as well on the movie podcast. Not to, again, plug another podcast on our own podcast, but it's worth listening to. Uh, was it Sebastian Silver who, yeah. who directed it? Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah, well, because it's a, like a meta story, I couldn't quite figure out Yeah, and he who said he already had it, it in the works before, like, it wasn't made for Jordan Firstman. Oh. He already had it in the works and then he like happened to bump into Jordan Firstman and he was like, this guy, this influencer, (laughs) (laughs) perfect, (laughs) we've got the film. Um, But yeah, you can hear more about that on the Movies podcast. Yes. Also, I think Jordan Firstman's quite cute. They they also look really similar. Sebastian and Jordan Firstman, Bernie's nodding at me here. Yeah, they're very, I kind of lost track a few times in the film. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, I could join the club. You know what I mean? Like with this, like shaved. You need to up your beard game a little. I think. Yeah, I do. Yeah, let the stubble grow a bit. I've been doing drag. That's why I've. Yeah, I fear you may be a little too blonde as well. Not yeah. Really, you know, got some work to do. I'm a Sebastian Silver in training. <laughs> yeah, a baby, baby Silver. <laughs> watch Rotting in the Sun. I implore you. Did you watch it the weekend? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. What else are we up to this weekend? I did some drag. Yeah, you did. I did some drag, trade. which you watched me was do. Phenomenal. Some Bjork a drag. Bjork. Um, yeah. Cabaret, I guess. Was that what it was billed as? Drag cabaret? What do you think it was? Uh, that was what was on the title, yeah, I think. Yeah, I thought it was a, a drag cabaret. Although I think it was a lovely night, is yeah, what it was. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then going, creeping in the Bjork record Bjork. section and doing little bits to the camera. It was great. I also went to Martin Powell Foundation this weekend to see Did the you? abrupt change of topic. Yeah, and it was no. a. The, it was the last day of Rennie Matic's exhibition um, of a Girl for the Living Room, um, a series of photographs that kind of focus on Travis Alabanza, mm. which was really good. I couldn't believe it had already been on for like two months or whatever, and it was the last chance. Dragged myself out in the rain. 
Did you know that Martin Parr Foundation liked our recent reel about the new magnets? We got new (laughs) magnets for the comments board, which actually work. Yeah, as you can see in the beautiful piece of filmmaking on our Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, go to Instagram and watch me put on new magnets and be really happy. So you only need one magnet to put a comment on the comment board up now. And I'm really excited about that. Basically, we had bought the wrong magnets. We also embrace comments about the comments board, if, yeah. if you want to get real meta. Or comments about anything about what we're sharing. What's on your mind? Yeah, even what if... What did you do at the weekend? Tell us. Yeah. On the comments board. Yeah. Preferably something that you did at Watershed, but... Yeah. Mm. We're flexible. Yeah. We're chill. Right. Shall we talk about October? I think we'd better. <laughs> this is going to be a long <laughs> podcast. Um, so, October 6th... Um, we're showing Blackberry, which is a new drama. Did you uh, have a Blackberry? I didn't, actually. I went Did you straight miss out from Nokia Brick to, to um, my dad's old iPhone 3 that I, he made me buy off him. I was a that's fair. 12-year-old. That no, was all my fair. Christmas money for his natty... No, I'm not bitter about it. It was a great phone. I had but Pocket God on there on... and Fruit Ninja. But all the did, hits. But you did miss out on having a Blackberry. Yeah. I not had... everyone else did. You know, there was a lot of, like, tippy-tapping in the um, school canteen or whatever mm. back in day. I did you? really miss having a Blackberry. But it was at the time I was 16 when I got my first Blackberry. And... I could afford it on a contract, but I couldn't afford the data plan and BBM <laughs> attached. So it was just like a phone. <laughs> it was just and a like, normal phone with a keypad. Yeah. Nice. Um, and, it, and that was in the days when accessing the internet was like £5 a minute or something, yeah, something like that. Yeah, expensive. It used to take like 10 minutes just to load like the Google search page. Mm-hmm. Definitely. How yeah, I, well... When do you want to go back to a break, don't you? You've been researching um, flip phones. We have. Uh, uh, well, I, I have, and watch this space. I might go completely off the grid. Uh, you be warned. But Blackberry, that's about Yeah, it recounts the Canadian companies. Research in motion. It's humble yet chaotic rise um, to market dominance. Very, you know, it's like, it's comedic. It's like darkly yeah. comedic. Because there's a certain kind of tragedy and desperation to the story, to be honest. Because mm-hmm. they were like kings at one point, you they know? They were. They revolutionised it. It and was then, like email on your phone Mm -hmm. you know it's like um i mean they even reference that this is the kind of start of its downfall in the film Mm. is they play the um and they actually use the official the the proper footage from apple's um announcement kind of keynote and he's like you know what what does he say he's like a phone a communications device or whatever an ipod an ipod and he's like what what is it what is it and he's like it's all in one device and the crowd are like "Ah!" and it's like being played in the blackberry office and they're all just like <laughs> we've still got a keypad on our screen um and then they kind of desperately try and keep up with this launch of the new iphone um and they do you know they, they think that their little rollerball yeah. keyboard tracker thing is gonna solve it and I, then they start trying to they're like no touchscreen it is but it, it's not but it's then not they tried touchscreen well no I, that's the thing is this Oh, I remember it turns the time. Tragic it was quick. so bad. Like, bless them. And I am quite interested watching it just it, to it, see the chaos I was surprised someone because I, I kind of normally don't vibe too much with those, what, what I in my head consider techie bro films. What, like know? the social network? Yeah, like I mm. quite like the social network. There's a certain really. genre, isn't there? But yeah, it, for me, the big short fits in there as well, which I, I don't love. Um, I need to rewatch that because and Ryan like even like Vice obviously is completely about a different thing, but it's the, it's the Adam McKay thing as well. I 
I don't normally get on board with it, but this one I had a surprising amount of fun with. Um, and it also it's just, it's mad to see, like, you know, in 1996, the kind of pinnacle of it and how, how quickly the technology was evolving at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kind of, <laughs> the startings of that Silicon Valley type working environment of like, oh yeah, we've got like a pinball machine, we've got... Uh, and a Pac-Man arcade game in the corner. You know, it's the real tech bro lifestyle yeah. coming into its own. Unlimited uh, snacks. Yeah. I wish we had that here. What, do you want a ping pong table in the foyer? No, just unlimited snacks. No, I don't want unlimited well, snacks. Or buffet table, no. No. It's a bit brew doggish, isn't it? Mm, it's not a bad thing. Ooh. I have a lot of strong opinions on brew dog. I won't go into <laughs> it here. <laughs> Anyway. So that's coming in. October 6th. October 6th. So that's quite... Quite soon. Early on. Yeah, early on in the month. Mm-hmm. The following week, we have Smoke Sauna Sisterhood, which played at Sheffield Dock mm. Fest. Um, and it won awards at Sundance as well. Um, and it looks at kind of a group of Estonian women um, and this tradition within the community of, um, like, well, sauna. Um, and, like, bathing in the ice cold Have you ever water. done sauna? Like that. I was trying to remember. I don't think properly. I've no, been in I saunas. Haven't. I don't enjoy them. I don't think it's right to be that hot. Well, <laughs> it's not. It's not a fun experience, you know. It, like it feels like I'm having an asthma. Attack. I don't enjoy sweating really. Mm. If I can help it. It feels like an endurance challenge, which I'm like, why would you want to do that? But yeah. I'm interested to kind of see like the cultural impact because it's a very Scandinavian. Yeah, and this is right? less about. The sauna in particular, it's more about the space that the sauna affords for mm-hmm. these this group of women to talk about quite like intimate mm. topics, um, including just how they're treated in society and mm-hmm. within the communities. And it's a real kind of sense of, well, obviously a sisterhood, it's in the title, but like female solidarity. Um, and it's, it's just, it's beautifully shot as well, because obviously there's a lot of nudity because it's a naked sort of thing but a different kind to like rotting in the sun oh dear god yes (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's a a beautiful doc um and it kind of is a really unique representation of that intimate environment um and well worth checking out in the cinema i think there's something about that do we have it on for a week right yeah we'll have have it on on for a week week. yeah um they've even been doing some like bring the sauna to your cinema type things which, we didn't arrange which that, cinema but... would you change into a sauna out, out of the three that <laughs> well, we it's have it's got to be two right yeah oh, I you agree. don't want to go bigger than that no um arguably that's even too big when you're in the summer if the aircon fails i suppose <laughs> the aircon <laughs> never fails temp- here no it is very reliable if anything it can be too chilly there's a certain row in cinema one that i just <laughs> never sit in when the aircon is on because it's just directly below where is that close? It's probably like far? three or four rows from the back, I think. Oh. I didn't realise that that was why I was always freezing. And then I was like, I need to just sit somewhere else. Yeah, I never really really sit that far back, to be honest. Feels like the back of the bus. Yeah. Sitting at the back of Cinema 1. Mind you, we sat at the back of the passages, didn't we? Yeah, but that was Cinema 3. Oh, is Because different? I get to stretch my legs out. I have yeah. I have my specific Everyone seats. knows that good little back, yeah. back On right the left corner. Hand. Well, left if you're looking at the screen, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I get to Extra stretch my legs room. out. Then, October 20th, ahead mm-hmm. of, um, well, that's Killers of the Flower Moon. The big Three and a half Scorsese. hours of do we, do we have to lead with the runtime? With no <laughs> interval. 
it's, it's not for me masterpiece uh, you've not even seen it yet no the duration is not for me <sighs> i know i sat next to you during the eight mountains <laughs> i find <laughs> i a complaint so i was hearing <laughs> anything which is over two hours is a test of my um but you you watched oppenheimer power. fine oh, and no, you said right. that kind of didn't seem too long i think maybe you could give like, it a go oh. Okay, but, but anyway, it's know. the hotly anticipated new film. Yes, it is. <laughs> Martin, from hotly Scorsese. anticipated by me, at least. <laughs> um, and it's based on the book of the same name by David Gran. It's set in the 1920s, um, and it follows members of the Osage Native American tribe um, in Oklahoma, um, and they're gradually kind of one by one found murdered after oil is found on their land mm. um, in suspicious tons of events. As, um, because I saw I, I I went into Waterstones and I did not realize it's an adaptation of a yeah. book, and um, yeah, cause a best-selling book. Quite like it's quite one of those airport books I've heard. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, they probably put it to the front row in Waterstones because they knew they, they knew, knew they, they knew, knew they could that the ride, the, ride the hype. Yeah. I think the book is more focused on because the whole idea is that then the FBI decides to investigate these um, murders, this series of murders. I think the book is kind of more focused on this is a moment of the birth of the FBI, in essence. Um, mm. Whereas I think with the film, that might have been the initial route they were going down, but over the course of its development and production, Scorsese had a lot of kind of consultation with Native Americans in the area, and through that, the kind of narrative changed slightly, and mm. the focus that they were putting on in the film switched away a bit from the investigators and more to the um, dynamics of this... These. Um, kind of white men who were trying to marry into these families mm. and the relationships there, um, including, obviously, we've got Leonardo DiCaprio yes. um, starring, and he's in a relationship with Lily Gladstone, mm -hmm. and Robert De Niro plays his father. Um, it's all the Scorsese big hitters back out. <laughs> and Jesse Plemons plays the uh, investigator, and I love Jesse Plemons. Mm. You know, from, um, he was in Power of the Dog as well. He's married to um, Kirsten Dunst, iconic power couple. No. I'll have to rewatch the trailer. I know <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch was on The Power of the Dog. I don't know who else was in it. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. You can Google it. He was also in Fargo. He was great in Fargo. I haven't seen Fargo either. It's a TV series, not the film. I, mean, I haven't seen either. Well, that was really good. I know I said last episode that on this podcast that I don't watch TV, but I used to watch TV and <laughs> Fargo was very good. Um, Reformed TV watcher. Yeah. Anyway, very excited for that one. And before that, the week before, we're bringing back Mean Streets as well, mm -hmm. which is um, new restorations being re-released just in time to whet everyone's appetite. Mm -hmm. oh, I really hate that saying. You it's said too late. It. I've said it now. You said it. Um, which, of course, is an early Scorsese film, much more centred in his kind of, what he became known for in those New York gritty streets. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, a bit of a link with um, the Powell and Pressburger stuff we're doing in December. I'm so excited. Michael Powell's review of um, the film, because of course Scorsese was a big Michael Powell fan, well, Powell and Pressburger mm. fan. Um, and Michael Powell was then in a relationship with Thelma Schoonmacher, Scorsese's longtime editing partner. Yes. On his films. Um, so they kind of developed a friendship, Michael Powell and Scorsese. And on Michael Powell's review of Mean Streets was that um, the, the trademark use of colour red in the film was... Um, overused <laughs> Ooh. Wait, which, which is film? a bit rich coming from someone who made the red shoes yeah that is very surprising <laughs> yeah anyway oh. the red shoes will be here on here in december 
Oh, I'm so excited. I know. We'll go on sale soon, I promise. Mm-hmm. I'll stop talking about it and actually <laughs> get it up and bookable. <laughs> but yeah, so big Scorsese month coming up. But also, can we talk about London Film Festival? Yeah, of course. Yay. Previews throughout yeah. the month. Well, from the 4th to the 15th of October, we've got a series of previews as part of London Film Festival on tour, where they select some of the films showing at the festival South Bank and venues at London and take them to regional venues, including us. Watershed. Yes. Um, so we'll be showing oh, like 14, 15 films, I think. Yeah, it's like 15 it's, or 16. It's quite a slate. Um, we won't touch on all of them here, no. but to pick out some highlights, um, one I'm really looking forward to seeing is Eileen, which is a mm-hmm. psychological thriller from the director of Lady Macbeth, William Oldroyd. And it stars like Thompson McKenzie and Anne Hathaway. And I'm normally, I've got to say, not an Anne Hathaway fan. I find her slightly grating. <laughs> but I've heard that she's actually really good in this. And oh, awesome. someone's review was good in this in a way that people who don't like Anne Hathaway can get on board with. And I was like, oh, that's me. Oh, <laughs> I'm excited now. That is a good review. Um, it's adapted from the book of the same name by Atessa Moshfeg, who's perhaps best known for her later novel, My Year of Rest and Relaxation. But Eileen was her debut. Um, novel. Oh, okay. And this is adapted from that. Cool. So I'm excited for that one. And we've also got, um, I feel like I should mention 20,000 species of bees because we're also playing that later in October, mm-hmm. um, which is a Spanish film. Um, and it's a debut feature from the director. And it stars um, Sofia Otero, who won the Silver Bear for Best Leading Performance at last year's Berlin Film Festival okay. um, and it's this heartfelt drama about an eight-year-old and the summer holiday when they kind of read test the boundaries of their fitting within the gender binary mm. um, so she rejects her given name Ator um, and you know she grows her hair long and kind of experiments with gender in the summer and it's set in the Basque country in Spain well, that's particularly relevant, but it looks like a beautiful kind of examination of the way that gender plays out in childhood. A bit like, like a, a, um, a more gentle, slightly less fraught tomboy than in Siama film, I think. But yeah, we'll also be playing that towards the end of the month, but previewing as part of LFF on tour. <laughs> then one a lot of people have been booking quickly for and it's hotly anticipated is uh, the new film from Andrew Hay who directed Weekend called All of Us Strangers yep. stars Andrew Scott as Adam a screenwriter living in London who strikes up a what's described as an uneasy acquaintance with his mysterious neighbour <laughs> Harry played by Paul Mescal <laughs> which edges towards something more intimate but we, we're not sure what it is I mean it's Andrew Hay it'll be There'll be, be some gay. kissing. Yeah. There'll be some kissing. <laughs> I hugging. believe so. Nice handshakes. It also stars Jamie Bell and Claire Foy. It's got quite the loaded cast. Oh. Um, and has some really good reviews out recently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be one of the hottest I've tickets got my probably. Ticket. Yeah, do get your tickets soon because yes. obviously these are quite limited previews and a lot of them will be selling out, mm-hmm. including Saltburn, um, yeah. a new film from Emerald Fennel, director of Promising Young Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, we're screening that twice we're previewing it twice once on the 4th because it's the opening night film of LFF Um, and then we're also previewing it a week later as well with descriptive subtitles and we'll be running a deaf conversations about cinema after that preview awesome Um, which has um, what's his name the Um, creepy boy from uh, (laughs) Killers of a Not Flower of Moon no No. Killing of a Sacred Deer Barry Cohen 
yes. from Banshees of Innisfarin to yes. Which Man at the Moment. Was last He's great. Big LFF film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. God, I can't believe that was a year ago. I know. It's also crazy to think of like, oh, it's great to have all these previews out and being like, oh, place your bets. Which one is going to be, be like the big autumn winter yeah. hit? I feel like I'm edging towards Saltburn. Mm. Well, I think I'm also the three big hitters are all of us strangers, Saltburn and... Chicken Run. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> Which we're previewing three times because we couldn't not, being the it's home Bristol. of Hardman. Yeah. Um, Netflix were like, would you like to preview more than once and I was like Absolutely. of course yes I would um, so we've got two screenings in on the Saturday was it the 14th yeah, yeah. And, and then 15th. one on the 15th as well so do get your tickets it's going to be it's going to be fun it's going to be a blast Clucktacular. <laughs> although I'm not going to be there I'm, oh. I'm meeting a friend I'm really gutted I'm, well, I'm missing out none of them no none of them that's, I'm going to have to wait until December that's tragic I really. know Got to sort your social calendar out. Why do you not bring your friend to Chicken Run? We're not going to be in Bristol. <sighs> Another regional screening. GFT. Showroom. We're going to be in Oxford and Ox and oh, there aren't any LFF yeah. screenings no, in Oxford. We're not going to catch them all in No. The last one I want to touch on from that lineup is mm-hmm. uh, May December by yes. director Todd Haynes. I love That's Todd ca- Haynes. Is that the Carol? Yeah. Carol? Director of yeah. Carol. Um, and Safe, more importantly. I love Safe. <laughs> um, it stars Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman. And I was so intrigued by the reviews that came out of Cannes because it was a little divisive. Mm. Um, and it's got, we'll be playing it on release, but because it's a Netflix title, it'll have a short theatrical run. So when we're showing it in the cinema, do do rush to see it in the cinema. Um, but also rush to get your rather than tickets for... All the LFF previews. LFF previews, like now. For ahead of Halloween, because it, you'd be a fool to programme any kind of horror films over actual Halloween weekend, because everyone's too busy having Halloween parties. We have Women Make Horror. Yes. Um, which we is do. a night of short films presented in partnership with Melanie Light, a local director who has put together this programme of around 10 horror shorts, all made by women. And a lot yeah. of them locally produced as well. It's going to be a great night. Again, that one is already selling very quickly. So if you'd like to get involved, do get your ticket. And if... Go on. Well, th- this is kind of... Sem- no, this is cinema related, but our film quizzes are back. Yeah. And the... Horror themed. Horror themed, Halloween kick themed. kick us off. On Sunday 29th of October, Becky Sands and Gavin... <laughs> Gavin, hold on. Is that his name, Gavin? No, um, (laughs) Becky Sands and Gavin Sunderland, who we work with here, will be hosting the quiz. Um, If you've been to a Cinema Rediscovered quiz, it's quite a similar vibe. Film-centric, right? Yes, Mm -hmm. film-centric, Halloween, and that's going to be in a cafe bar. Can people book their tickets? Yes, they... They book a table? Yep, you book yourself a table. It is £20 for a table of four. Lovely stuff. What are the prizes? Do we know yet? Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, we like the the big prize is your own private screening in Cinema Two, Beautiful. which is like a big deal. Yeah, what would you put on if you want it? Well, I was gonna go for a Studio Ghibli. Yeah, film. don't say Spirited Away again. We need to mix it up. Yeah, I know. No, mm, can I say the House Bunny? No, I've seen the House Bunny. No, we already just did recently. that. We went. We booked out 20th Century, Century Flicks' <laughs> little mini screen and watched. Um, I forced everyone. The to House watch Bunny. House None of us had watched it before. It has not aged well. <laughs> Although I do love the... Um, Melanie. Yeah. 
Iconic. Joanne. I had no idea why you kept doing that before we watched that film. Now you know. <laughs> it all fell into place. Come back to me on that one. What would you, what would you put? <laughs> well, now, you now we've gone choice. down this route. I'm like, oh, Gladiator. Just because of the discussion we had last month. Yeah. No. As we'll cover later on in the programme, we're screening um, Germany Year Zero by Rosalini as part of mm. the Sunday season. And um, Andrew Kelly from Bristol Ideas drops off the materials for that, which also included the other two films from Rosalini's War Trilogy. And I missed seeing Rome Open City at Bologna because it sold out and I was a mug and I didn't get my ticket soon enough. So I kind of really want to watch that on a cinema screen. It feels like a just wrong to watch that on a TV. Such a <laughs> sprawling masterpiece. A sprawling masterpiece. We can put that on a poster, that quote. If only we were showing it. <laughs> I'll ask you next month. Yeah. What you'd put on in I've got to go, like, Adam Curtis documentary. <laughs> Which Something one? deeply serious. I really liked his one on Edward Bernays. Yeah. I can't remember what it was I've called. I've watched that one a fair few times. You Century know, of the Self. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The mm. one about um, women smoking. Women smoking. They've that, moved on from trying. That's another season that you're going <laughs> to... Oh, that would be quite a good yeah, one, wouldn't it? Yeah, women smoking. Ooh, food for thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good pick. I would join you for that, if I'm allowed. Yeah, yeah, of course. I think. Um, what, right. what else have we got? Also Towards ha- the end of the month, yeah. we've also got The Pigeon Tunnel, which yes. is a filmed record of John Le Carre's final interview. It's directed by Errol Morris. It's not um, about a pigeon tunnel, is the it? The Thin Blue Line. It is not. Not a literal pigeon tunnel. No. You'll find out why it's called that within the interview, but it's also the same title as um, John Le Carre's memoir, um, which this, these kind of cover similar grounds mm. but here you know you hear it from the horse's mouth the pigeon's <laughs> mouth <laughs> yeah i was trying to work that one out anyway um, it's also got a score by philip glass so if you need Ooh. to say any more and i really liked it which and again i'd been a little surprised <laughs> at from the synopsis and how it was pitched i was like mm, this feels like a kind of bbc doc that my parents would put on in the evening you know and i'd sit there because there's nothing else to do but actually <laughs> You're into it. I was really into it. It was really engaging, and he's led a fascinating life. And I would not have sat down and read an entire memoir of his. But, and I say this as someone who did really enjoy, like the original Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy series with Alec Guinness, not the film. Yeah, I've um, only watched the film. I no, the really. series is really great and worth oh, okay. watching because I watched that as a teenager, which again I was surprised that I liked. Because <laughs> <laughs> he also did Smiley's People as well, again with Alec Guinness. They were both great probably need to revisit them now actually highly recommend mm-hmm. it's beautifully done um and yeah it's the, the final interview he gave before his death in 2020 and also another one to mention before the end of the month is i think the new david fincher film the killer mm. um which was just shown at venice um a lot of great reviews out of venice over it is that is a netflix it? film yeah. yeah so again short theatrical window mm-hmm. so if you're keen do come quickly yeah Run, don't walk. Um, it's a neo-noir action thriller and stars Michael Fassbender as a philosophizing hitman. Mm. Sounds right up my street. Philosophizing hitman. <laughs> it's adapted from a graphic novel, which I think Finch has been quite into for a while. I think this has been a kind of passion project ongoing that he's been waiting to find a good moment to get made. That kind of rings a bell then. Mm. I haven't read it, but... Now, you, now that you say graphic, graphic novel, novel person? Well, no, but... <laughs> Now, now it's kind of ringing bells in my head. Hi. Maybe I have heard of it. Maybe. Yeah. Well, when you watch it and find out. Yeah. yeah. So, it's a, so it's a thriller, right? 
Yeah. yeah neo noir. Dark thriller. Fincher style. Okay. Classic. Cool. Um, I'm still guided that Mindhunter kind of fizzled out on Netflix. You know his series? Did you ever watch that? God, I just... No, I, I, I keep think contradicting I, myself with that I don't watch TV here. <laughs> just yeah, look at you watching all the TV. Also, at the end of the month, we have uh, Carol Morley's new film, Typist Artist Pirate King. And yes. she'll be joining us for a live, in-person, direct Q&A for cool. that film. Yeah. There's a lot. A lot to look forward to in October. Yeah, plenty. The big hitters. And what, which, lots of juicy stuff coming up in November, too. Which two films are you most keen from seeing in October? Hmm. Like, what are my top picks? Yeah. Well, it's, it's just got to be Killers of the Flower Moon, I think, mm-hmm. for me. I've been looking forward to that for a very long time. Read all the sight and sound piece on it. I'm intrigued. Mm. Captivated I'm in there. I love the long run time, unlike you. <laughs> very here for that. <laughs> it would be ruined if there was an interval, frankly. Um, and obviously the LFF previews. Yep. But particularly May, December. Like if I have two picks, it's those. Cool. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for All of Us Strangers from LFF. And then... Um, well, because technically it is in October. I'm ex- I, um, at time of recording, we haven't seen Stop Making Sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You and can have that. Yeah, okay. I just realised I completely forgot to mention our cool black exploitation season running through October too. Which looks so cool. Right? So, it's so called so Black cool. Again, 50 Years of Black Exploitation. Yeah. Um, and it's been programmed and put together by Hyde Park Picture House. Yay. Um, and so we're thrilled to be collaborating with them by presenting it here in Bristol. And Adam Murray, freelance film curator, writer, will be introducing each of those screenings. They're running on Fridays in October, quite late eves. Come down, have some fun. Cleopatra Jones looks most interesting to me. Like, the, yeah. the fashions that she's wearing in um, Stunning, the stills. Right? Yeah, incredible. And I the, cannot yeah. wait. Yeah. Cool. Shall, busy month. Yeah, such a busy month. And then we've also got um, the bits and pieces with our friend... Andrew Kelly from Bristol Ideas. Yeah, who you'll be hearing from now in this terribly long podcast episode. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Hello, okay. Andrew. Thank you very much for having me here today. Thank you for coming on the podcast. So, as we've probably said before, we've... This is the 30 years, more importantly, of Bristol Ideas. Andrew Kelly being ex-festival, well, director of Bristol Ideas. Um, and heading up the Festival of the Future City for how many years has that one been? We're now in our fifth Festival of the Future City. Mm. Yes, it's Bristol Ideas' 30th anniversary this year. Mm. Um, I stood well, down I'm as director last year, but I still heavily play a part involved in the organisation. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, tell us all about your Festival of the Future City this year, Andrew. Obviously, we're hosting a lot of events here, some of which are in our public cinema programme, including you, of course, have the Sunday brunches throughout October, of which there are five, nicely engineered. <laughs> Well, it's, 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 it's always a pleasure to be working with Watershed, and we've, we've done all our Festival of the Future Cities here. Um, obviously, we go out into the city as well, and there's events which are held around mm-hmm. the city, um, but most of the events are held in, in Watershed. We've always seen film as a key part of the festival, both as a way of looking at particular cities, but also at debating issues around like cities. Can open up discussions yeah, right, in a way that... It's kind of hard to achieve without a prompting thing. Like we're showing 20 Days in Mariupol as right, part yeah. of the programme. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a really important film mm. and it's already been seen to be important when it's shown around the world. Uh, I think one of the most moving moments I saw was a standing ovation for it in Ukraine when it was shown there. Mm. And this is, you know, a 
camera crew who were caught when the Russians invaded um, and decided to stay and filmed the invasion. It's very brutal, there's no question about that. It, I think it shows the horror of that invasion. Um, but I also think it shows why we must be robust in standing with Ukraine in mm. defeating um, this modern form of fascism. So we'll be screening that one here with a panel discussion um, featuring, I think, someone from involved in the rebuilding of... Yeah, so we've got um, people who come from Ukraine mm. who are in, um, in this country because they're, they're, they're mm. not able to, some of them are not able to be in the country. Um, we've got um, one of them is an architect who's currently involved in a competition about rebuilding Mariupol. I mean, it's very interesting that the Russians are rebuilding Mariupol right now, mm. but what they're looking at, um, the, 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 the Ukrainian architect is looking at, is how you build a better city for the future. So they're very interesting things like greener cities, more sustainable cities. So it's, 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 um, it, it's going to be a very moving occasion, I think. One of the panellists we have has six relatives in the city oh, wow. and doesn't know what has happened to them, or certainly didn't up until recently. Um, so I, I think it's a really important film that we're showing. That's on the 17th of October. Mm. Um, there's a couple of other short films we're showing, perhaps before we come on to the Sunday brunches. We're showing mm. a film about Hartcliffe in Bristol um, called Normal for Hartcliffe, which is what doctors used to write on prescriptions when they had yeah, people with a problem. Um, and, um, and we've got a panel of the filmmakers and people mm. from Hartcliffe at that one. And we're showing a film um, um, called Under the Bridge, which is about, which is a, a film from a long time ago, actually, made by Rob Mitchell and Sean Sobers about Colston and about a painting that was done at the time. Mm. Um, and we're looking at what happened between then and the fall of the Colston statue um, a few years ago. So, so we, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really good way, I think, of showing how film illuminates particular issues and how you can promote discussion around film as well. And like contemporary issues that affect the city, like absolutely, the constant yeah. situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we also have a series of shorts in an event around um, Baldwin as part of your wider Baldwin yeah. program. I don't know if we want to cover. Absolutely. I mean, James Baldwin is—it's the centenary of Baldwin's mm. um, birth next year, and we brought together this program to look at James Baldwin and cities. I don't know how widely Baldwin is read these days. I certainly think he's read more now than he was a few years ago, particularly with the rise of Black Lives Matter. I've been reading Baldwin all my life. Um, and, um, and I took this year, uh, I committed this year to reread all his work. And it really struck me this time as I was rereading him how he talked about cities a lot. Mm. So we were very fortunate that he made a number of films about cities, and we're showing three of them. One is about his time in Istanbul, where he found, I think, the piece he needed to write. Um, another is about his time in Paris, which is both a film about his time in Paris, but also his battles with the director, who mm. wanted to make a very different film to what James Baldwin wanted to make. So it's a very interesting dynamic between them. And of course, Baldwin wins, but in the end. Um, and the third is, is, um, is, is um, his debate he attended in London, which was filmed fortunately at the time. Sadly, the director died just a few days ago. Yeah, a few them. days before recording. Yeah, um, and, um, and so I see that as a kind of tribute to Horace Ove as, as, yeah. as, as much as the, the Baldwin it film itself. It was his itself. first film, I think, as well, actually. Um, I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. obviously, well, that one was a short, it's yeah. about 45 that's minutes. Right. Um, yeah. And we're showing his first feature, yeah. Pressure, yeah. here, the restoration in yeah. November. I think he's a really important filmmaker, and I think, um, you know, there's obviously he struggled to make a lot of his films, mm. but, um, 
but um, he's left a legacy, which I think is really very important. Um, so I'm delighted we're, we're showing those. And I, we've, we've also commissioned people to write about James Baldwin. We're showing, we've got a production of the Baldwin-William Buckley debate at Cambridge at the Bristol Old Vic on the mm. Sunday after the films we're showing on the 22nd of October. So it's a really nice weekend. Plus there's a poetry evening that's taking place and there's workshops and we hope people will read the books. And we've even got a project going on in, in, a, in a local prison uh, some of the prisoners are reading James Baldwin's work. Right. And that's partly because when we did the autobiography of Malcolm X a few years ago, which was another project with Watershed, mm. um, uh, Malcolm X was, was in jail and the prisoners read his autobiography. And the prize they were given then was a dictionary, which was the, what Malcolm X was given when he was in prison, which helped turn his life around. So mm. um, we must think of a suitable prize to give the essayists in the local prison this time as well. Not got long. (laughs) And also linked in with that is, of course, the Film Noir Partnership screening here as well of Native Son. Yeah, this is one I haven't seen. I'm very intrigued by it. Mm, I've not seen it either. It's based on the book of the same name. So Richard Wright wrote Native Son, and um, Baldwin and Wright had a very difficult relationship. But when this film was made, they couldn't get the star. Or, Or rather, Richard Wright played the lead role, which makes it even more intriguing but it's been, it's been reconstructed, and it's a great partnership we have with Film Noir UK, um, and I think it's, it's going to be one of those things which um, will be important to see, I think. Mm. Especially in the context of having that oh, introduction yeah. to Absolutely. it, and it's sitting within the yeah. Baldwin programme. Oh, yeah. um, but to the brunches. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm so pleased... Beautiful that, title for them. Firstly. Out of the rubble, yeah. yeah I mean, on film. we try to, to have the Sunday brunches when we have a festival because... Um, we can have a theme over mm. five programmes. And we're very fortunate to say that October has five weekends. I didn't quite put the Festival of the Future City in October because of that. But, it, sure? but it's worked out very nicely for me. <laughs> just to note, we're still calling them the brunches, but they are actually at 2pm every yeah. Sunday now. That's just yeah. a hangover from when they were on yeah. midday after your bacon roll. Yes, exactly. Whatever. Rep but, season. Yeah. Whatever we like to call it. Now. Sunday afternoons now. Sunday afternoons. <laughs> So we, we called this season out of the rubble because after the Second World War, there was this growth of what was called the rubble literature mm. and then the rubble films, which was returning soldiers or writers trying to come to terms with what had happened to their country in the previous 15 years and more. And, um, and there was this growth of the rubble literature, which was also called the clear-cut literature, although rubble literature is mm. a much better way of, of putting it. And then you had the, um, some of the films that were, were, were part of that, um, that programme. So, so, but I also wanted to look back post-First World War as well. The, the rubble literature was post-Second World War. And if you think about Germany wasn't destroyed in the same way it was in the set after the Second World War, um, but, but was, was destroyed economically, um, politically, in, in all sorts of ways after the First World War. So the rubble is the kind of metaphor that goes through that. And one of the classic rubble films is, is Germany Year Zero, which was one of them, which was made by Roberto Rossellini, mm. um, his, his great trilogy um, that he made about the Second World War. And this really shows the destruction of Germany, of, of Berlin particularly, where mm. it was filmed. And it was all filmed on, uh, on location. Um, but we go right back in, in the first part of the series to The Last Laugh, one of the great Weimar films, great expressionist mm. films, which was partly an anti-military parable, though that was kind of toned down, about a man losing his purpose in life. You know, he's a, 
doorman in a hotel that then gets moved to be a toilet attendant. Though I'm, I was reading around this, and at the time, toilet attendants were paid more than doorman in hotels. So it was actually, mm. one could say, promotion, really. <laughs> um, and it was starred Emil Jannings, who, who later became you know, a Nazi. He made films with the Nazis, um, mm. and, and particularly um, angered Marlene Dietrich. Uh, over overall that so we're showing that um, it shows a very um, strong portrayal of Berlin all built on a backlot interestingly oh, um, really? yeah and that's oh. what I can that's what I understand um, whereas asphalt another silent film we're showing uh, on on a subsequent Sunday was filmed on the streets of Berlin um, and that's that shows the kind of vibrancy of the city uh, but both films show the city in a very uh, important way I think um, we're also showing Wings of Desire, classic, uh, classic film, um, made just before the Berlin Wall came down. I think what's really interesting about when you, you know, if you, I grew up, uh, you know, at the time when you thought there might be a nuclear war, mm. you know, um, that Soviet communism was seen as, you know, it was, it was faltering, there was no doubt about it, but was, you know, we were caught in this cold war between rival mm. powers. And the fall of the Berlin Wall was one of the great moments, you know, of my lifetime. You can't de deny, you know, the, this peaceful transition of power mm. um, in a velvet revolution, not just in that country, but across the whole of Eastern Europe. I mean, it, you know, at the time we thought it was going to usher in this great period of liberal democracy and, and you know, how wrong we were. And but I think the, the the you know that film shows that the, the kind of end of the period of, of Berlin before the wall came down. And I think it's very, you know, very well done, you know, from the, the angels coming down to, to walk mm. with the people of the city. Right through to the Nick Cave concert that takes place. Yeah. That was my first kind of introduction to Nick Cave. Right. And what a great <laughs> set to stumble in on on a vendors yeah. film i do i should say that i did um i did invite nick cave to introduce the film the, the, how did that go the, well I, I got a nice note back saying that he's he's done a few events about about his new book but he can't do any more so oh. that would have been a nice one to have really it's always worth a go it's yeah. always worth maybe a next game. anniversary maybe. of the film mm -hmm. and that, then, that's a good one for people to get their tickets too soon yeah. but as well because we're already like two-thirds sold out so if you'd like to see it for wings of desire soon yes yeah and it's also because it's on Greta Gerwig's Barbie list is one of the inspirations. <laughs> well, I'm sure for that's why it's two thirds. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Barbie cruise of then. <laughs> um, and of course, the final weekend. Well, it's not just a Sunday brunch, is it? The final no, weekend. It's a weekend It's takeover. a Saturday morning breakfast right through to Sunday morning, mm, Sunday mm -hmm. evening. Blocking. Berlin Alexanderplatz. I mean, I I have to say, Steph, I didn't think we would um, show this, you know, and I. <laughs> I do appreciate. It takes some convincing. <laughs> I did appreciate the the ongoing support of the Watershed team <laughs> on this, but this is a it's terrific. You know, fifteen and a half hour film based on one of the most fantastic books ever written about a city, um, made by one of the great filmmakers who died incredibly young, mm. you know, um, and was still able to produce not just this huge range of feature films, but this mammoth undertaking of Berlin Alexanderplatz, set right at the end of the 1920s period, um, when Germany was beginning to be on the cusp of, of you know, from the, you know, the liberalism of the Weimar period mm. through to the, the horrors of, of Nazism. Um, so 
This is a, a major investment of time. I think we all understand that. How long is it again? It's 15 and a half hours. And it's a half segmented hours. into episodes. It's, yeah. yeah, there's we'll plenty of breaks. Yeah. We've okay. got two intervals a yeah. day. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, when, when Cinema Rediscovered was on, what was the longest film I saw there? Four and a half hours, wasn't it? Was that the Eustache um, uh, one? Yes, that's yeah. right, yeah. The, the Mother and the Whore, yeah. that was... I did that hungover on a Sunday morning. It was was, quite the watch. There was no break in that one either. No. And I mean, the new Scorsese coming out this month. Well, three and a half. Yeah, the end of this month. Killers of the Flower Moon, yeah. No interval there. Um, When when I was younger, you'd always have an interval. I saw Barry Lyndon, the Kubrick film, which had an interval. Yeah, that's quite long, isn't it? doesn't need an interval. Not only did you have an interval, but someone came in and sold choc ices. You I was going to say it was at the little oh, ice cream yes. stand. <laughs> you know, um, Look at the theatre. But no, so Berlin Alexander Plaza, of course, has to have an interval. But I think also you need to have that time just to think about this this incredible piece of filmmaking that that you're going to be experiencing. Mm. It's, um, I think if you... There will almost certainly... You should never say never, I know, but I don't think there'll be a chance to see this film on the big screen again. For yeah, a long I mean, time when I was looking online, I don't think it's been screened um, theatrically in about 10 years yeah. since the ICA yeah. put it on. Um, mm. Of course, they did it on 35mm, but you can't have everything. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I bet you, you would find very few examples of it being shown in full at yeah. a cinema screen before then. I think it was shown in New York a couple of times. And, um, and I spoke to one group of people who said they'd seen it and here's an idea for you, mm. overnight. So they'd watched it from, <laughs> I don't know, 7 o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock the following day. I think that would have been an investment um, a bit too far on this occasion. But um, I just kind of wonder at the kind of people that turn out for that kind of thing, you know? It's, <laughs> like, it works if it's an all-nighter and it's like horror or pulpy mm. genre stuff, but... But I think it's also... I mean, Alexander Platz at 4am is a, <laughs> yeah, quite the arse. it's an arse. But it's like a... Yeah, it's like an endurance thing. It's it's like a it is a genuine like film challenge. I do enjoy. It would be a challenge for me. It's like I saw Saturn Tango back in January or whatever at the BFI South Bank. How long's that? I want to say it's like seven and a bit hours, um, but including the intervals, it was probably like nine hours um, in the. NFT two, not even the good screen. Anyway, that was that was good training for this one. But yeah, steps, and the intervals, <laughs> as you were saying, they they do let you kind of yeah. digest it, yeah. and you do kind of yeah. need those kind of yeah. breaks in there. I think I think you know this is a it's a great film, which is actually a TV series to begin mm. with. But I think it was always intended to be shown at the cinema. It's based on a terrifically important, brilliant book, one of the greatest books about cities ever written, mm. uh, about a city which is phenomenally important politically, historically, uh, particularly in the 20th century. Um, and he managed to get together the most brilliant cast as well. Mm. I mean, you know, the investment in this was huge all round. So I, and again, I think we should encourage people to book soon because I think this is booking up quite quickly yeah, as well. I mean, yeah, the bargain price of £20 for two days You get a lot of film for your buck. 15 if you're concessions, you know. Yeah, a lot of film. A lot of film for your buck. If you just need somewhere to sit for the day, <laughs> yeah. But, but also, <laughs> I just feel like, especially with that, the audience will become kind of like a group. Like you'll become yeah. bonded Maybe through we this make moment. Badges or something. Like I, I survived. survived. What's the space for the merch? <laughs> Someone said to me recently that when he, they'd heard once that when people go into a cinema, they go in as individuals and come out as groups. Mm. And I think mm. that's quite an interesting way of looking at this. We, we showed many, many years ago 
the Russian version of War and Peace. Mm. Not not at this cinema, I have to say, at a, an alternative cinema across the, the water. Unnamed. And, um, <laughs> and I think that worked out about seven or eight hours in the end with all the breaks and mm. so on. Um, but I remember someone said to me after that, they just felt they were, they'd been involved in something really special. Mm. And I think that's what I hope people will come out of this. I'm really looking forward to the comments board yeah. afterwards. Mm, dedicated yes. section. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, um, but, but it, I, I, you know, it, it is part of our Festival of the Future City. Film, to me, is the most important of the arts. Film, first of all, is about show. It's, it's a great know. connoisseur of literature. I'm really yeah. pleased to yeah. hear you say that. It's, um, it's um, you know, both show and business with film. And, mm. and I think it's really important that, you know, the films we're showing are actually actually quite brilliant pieces of filmmaking as mm. well. And, and that, in a way, is the first reason you show something. But you can get so much more out of these films, I think, whether you're thinking about post-First World War militarism, how Germany recovered from the horrors of the Second World War, how you come to terms with the defeats of your country like that, how you deal with the past and so on. I mean, one of the interesting things, I think, about Germany, it took a long time for them to come to terms with the past. And it was really the 68 generation and post-68 generation that began to ask the questions about what was happening to their country mm. or more particularly what their parents were doing during that time and I think film you know the films we've got in this season are, are, are a good introduction to this. there are many many more we could have shown I really wanted to show Goodbye Lenin yeah there's no rights yeah. um, but we have got um, a writer called Katja Hoyer who's written a I read her book. Have you the new book about East Germany? Because I'm it's so fascinated book. about East yeah. Germany yeah. and how, how it kind of ran and um, was organised. And I've also, um, what was it? I got interested in East Germany because of The Lives of Others, yeah. which I watched at sick form. Anyway, mm. Katja Hoyer, read a book, loved it, recommend it. Yeah, it's a wonderful book, I think. And, um, and we were, I was fortunate enough to interview her recently for Best oh, wow. Ideas. But she's, um, we asked her originally to, to come and introduce Goodbye Lenin, um, before we knew about the rights. Yeah, we knew quite late on that who, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Who would have thought the rights for a film like that had lapsed? I know it happens all the time, but anyway, we said, though, we'd still like her to, to do the introduction, so she's recorded an introduction for us, which we'll put online. Amazing. And, and I think, um, and, and she talks a little bit about the film in, in, in the book she's written, but yes, I think that's, that's one of the most best books in recent years about East Germany mm. um, by, you know, a, um, someone who, who was very young when she lived in East Germany, but has obviously, you know, kept very close attention on that country. Um, but I think it's a, it's a wonderful book to read anyway, that book. I recommend it. recommend it, Steph. I'll get around yeah. to it. Yeah. <laughs> Is this around the time you were reading that, that you were watching those Tilda ones, the Tilda Swinton shorts about mm. cycling the... Frame. No, I watched the Tilda Swinton shorts. What's it? It's called Cycling the Frame, mm. and it's basically Tilda Swinton on a bike cycling <laughs> around the uh, perimeter of of the wall around um, Berlin, of West Berlin, I guess. Um, and it's so fascinating because then, what was it? Twenty years later, she did a sequel with the same director where the wall's completely down and there's like hardly any traces of it. But also what's interesting to me is because I did not experience the wall ever, it's very interesting to be like, oh, this is, this is, this is what life was like yeah. with a wall just yeah. like going through. Well, the wall wasn't completely consistent because there was also like bodies of water or... Checkpoints. You know, yeah, checkpoints. Actually. And yeah, these aren't tourists. 
like attractions as they are now. They're just they just are office buildings or whatever. I think if you go to to Berlin now, I think that they do it really well actually in mm. terms of showing you. Um, the, the the impact of the wall, mm-hmm. but also the impact of the Holocaust. You know, mm-hmm. memorials are very strong across the the city. The most moving ones I find are called Stolperstein, as they're little brass plaques put in the ground, and they read, you know, um, from this place went, and they name the people who lived there mm-hmm. and were murdered at Auschwitz or one of the other concentration camps. And I heard about these, and I, I couldn't see them at first. And I thought, well, there can't be that many. And then I saw some on the ground. And it's not just one plaque. They might have four plaques. And you suddenly realise the devastating impact on that street of these people who were murdered mm. in, in one of the concentration camps. And then you see them everywhere, actually. And you, you know, so, so I think that's a, one way of showing it. I think also the way they dealt with the legacy of the wall. So you see, what I went on one... I just wandered around one day, and I saw part of the wall. And then I saw the gap that people had to run to get from the wall to freedom. Yeah, like the death strip. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's huge. I mean, how anybody mm-hmm. could have done that once it was fully built. In the early stages, people could just jump over the barbed wire. But after a while, you think they're very lucky to have, have got that far. Yeah. Um, but I think they do it really well now. And I think that's partly the legacy of how, you know, they didn't do it well in Germany post the Second World War. Um, but, but, you know... In recent years, they've done it so much better. And as I said, since 1968, really, and that generation mm. that forced that understanding. The Lives of Others is very good on this as well. It's another film worth seeing, I think. Yeah. And, um, and that was another we one. I, we it, did yeah. consider it, yeah. Um, and there's there's a couple on YouTube which is uh, worth watching. There's one of the classic rubble films. It's called The Murderers Are Amongst Us. Mm. And you can actually see that on YouTube that as the film. And, um, and then there's also films like, you know, you see it in The Third Man, for example, mm. of some of the rubble in, in the film there as well. Um, but I think the, the ones Sounds we've like chosen... you're angling for two months, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've put some thought to other seasons where two months might be a better idea. But well, maybe um, Saturdays and Sundays. Sat- New, New York is a big... Well, this is exactly subject. what I was thinking about. Or so. Vienna. Yeah. Vienna would be an interesting mm. one as well, yeah. Well, there's enough to keep us going. (laughs) That'll be next year when you're back on the podcast. And Cinema Rediscovered, I think, should look at the rubble films as a theme, maybe. If we've not exhausted the topic in September. (laughs) But, but, you know, I would urge everyone to see these these five, six films, if we call Berlin and the Zanderplatz as times two. And and I'm so grateful for Watcher putting these on. Please report us this great programme running yeah. throughout October, including the other screenings that we mentioned, like 20 Days in Maripol and the Baldwin programme. Yeah. Um, tickets are online at nature.co.uk. Yeah. Again, forward slash calendar, if you know, you know. <laughs> and if you want any details of Festival of the Future City, go to bristolideas.co.uk and there's a special project page with all the programme there. And some great articles as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on, thank Andrew. You. Looking so forward to the season. And I'm sure we'll have you back next year to the next city. (laughs) Um, Thank you. Thank you very much. And and thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank thank you, you, Bernie. And thank you, Bernie. Our wonderful podcast producer. Thank you.